Friday, February 3rd, 2017, episode number two of the Student Section Podcast, WFUV's exclusive college basketball podcast. Matt Murphy, James Decker, Dan DiOrio here in the studio. Missing our boy Tom Scabelli today, but he'll be back next week on our Friday recording slot. The rundown for today, we're going to recap the week's action, another great week of college basketball across the country. We're going to look ahead to this weekend's matchups, and we're going to wrap up with our final four bracketology where we take a look at the man himself, Joe Lenardi, his his bracket and pick who he thinks is going to advance all the way to the final four. But we're going to start by looking back all the way to last Saturday, guys. The big matchup last weekend was Kansas and Kentucky, a couple of top five teams, and Kansas took down Kentucky 79-73 at Rupp, which is a huge place to win. And there were some other games we'll get into, but that was surprising to me. I think all of us here at the student section liked Kentucky in that game, maybe except for Tom, who's not here today to uh, defend himself. But a big-time win for the Jayhawks. Yeah, huge, huge win for Kansas coming off a tough loss at West Virginia that same week. And, yeah, I think we all just thought that Kentucky at Rupp Arena is just too tough a task for teams. I think maybe we should have learned a little bit from UCLA, the UCLA at Kentucky game, that Kentucky can be prone to a dud at home. But I think that's just a credit to Kansas because I don't think Kentucky really played too badly. I think Kansas just was the better team that day. So I think that's a huge win. And then they followed up with the win at home against Baylor. Baylor, I think, is slightly overrated, but I still think that is another quality win. So great, great couple of games for Kansas. And Dan, did you think Kansas would have a chance in that one at Kentucky? Or uh, I know you're big on Kansas now, but I think everyone is this week after a couple of big wins despite all their off-the-court troubles. But that particular matchup, were you feeling good about Kansas? Uh, I was not. Um, Kentucky just seemed to be you know, significantly better in my eyes. Their team always consistently has a lot of NBA talent. Uh, Kansas, I guess I didn't really realize how deep they were until uh, watching that game. You know, I'm very impressed with them. They're they're performing at a high level despite some off-court distractions, and uh, that's very impressive. And I got to give some credit to our boy James here because that Saturday, five of the top 15, 15 teams in the rankings lost, and you had a couple correct upset picks. We'll get into who you think is going to have some upsets this weekend later on in, in this episode, but... Syracuse took down Florida State and stormed the court, which is kind of a, a weird thing to do considering they were a Final Four team last year. I know you beat a top-10 team in the country, but we could talk about that a little bit as well. But also Georgia Tech beat Notre Dame 62-60, and Georgia Tech on their home floor. You had it in the first episode of the Student Section podcast. For some reason, Georgia Tech's a good pick at home. It, they really are, and they th- that was the only close win I feel like they've had at home. They beat Notre Dame on a crazy buzzer beater, but they beat North Carolina very handily at home. They have one more quality win at home where they really blew someone out. So they're just a tough place, just a tough place to play. But on the other end, Syracuse, after they lost by 30 at home to St. John's, I think Jim Beheim must have had a speech about protecting the Carrier Dome because they have played so much better at home ever since that the worst loss in Carrier Dome history, which it, which it was that night. So I think they have another big home game this Saturday against Virginia. So I'm a little bit more confident betting against Florida State but as far as Syracuse is going to win than Virginia. But still, Syracuse is at home. I think they're going to roll at home. But it's just a matter of getting road wins for them. I said the Syracuse fans stormed the court. Dan, is that something you approve of? Or, I mean, they, they were a Final Four team last year. They beat number six at the time, Florida State, by 10. And they were really hype about it. Yeah, I'm not sure that's something that Jim Beheim would approve of. You know, historic college basketball coach. He's been there before. Syracuse coming off a Final Four uh, appearance, like you said. I don't know if that's their place. Uh, especially given the fact that Jim Beheim at the beginning of the season said this is one of the most talented Syracuse teams that he's coached. That being said, considering uh, given their performance so far this season, 
I don't know if court storming is really something they should be doing. And uh, James, sorry to say it, we will get back to our students, our starting five uh, segment next week when Tom returns. But one of your squads in the starting five, Butler, yeah, they're took an downward. L, took an L to Georgetown all the way back on Saturday, eighty-five, eighty-one. That's a, that's not a great loss for them. Yeah, they're trending downward. I think I watched both those games, one against Georgetown, like you said, they lost at home against Creighton just uh, a couple of days ago. And I think the biggest problem that they had was they could not defend the three at all. Georgetown lit it up, and then Creighton shot very well. Then they gave up above 80 points in both of those losses, which I I think is unacceptable, especially at Hankel Fieldhouse. So those are two wins that, I mean, you should probably get. I mean, I wouldn't say Creighton even without Watson is a, is a, a sure win, but Georgetown at home, that's one that I think you should win. So those are two bad, bad losses for Butler. Another one of my starting five teams, I was at the game live in one of the ugliest games I've ever seen, the Wisconsin-Ruckers game. They pulled it out in overtime behind a sleepy Naismith Player of the Year candidate in Ethan Happ. He had 32 points, completely carried the offense when no one else was hitting shots. At one point in the second half, they were 6% from three, Wisconsin, in that game. Yeah, and, and then Rucker, Rutgers goes out later in the week and loses by 22 Iowa without Peter Jock. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, Rutgers was going to have a legit shot in that game. I thought the way they, they at least competed against Wisconsin. And, but Iowa, honestly, too, they beat Ohio State at home, good win, without Peter Jock, and then traveling to Rutgers. I mean, Nebraska lost at Rutgers. Never no game is easy, especially on the road. And I mean, a conference like the Big Ten. So Iowa with a couple of good wins there, trending upward. On Saturday, Oregon, another top-ranked top, top ranked team, lost to Colorado. Looking at Sunday, Villanova won a thriller over UVA on a Dante DiVincenzo tip-in, 61-59. Purdue was upset at Nebraska, 83-80, but Caleb Swanigan, a Naismith, uh, player of the year candidate himself had 14 and 14 then you look at big monday duke beat notre dame in south bend by 10 and i thought one of the funnier signs i've seen in the country this year or actually it was a snapchat filter but a friend of my uh brothers was at the game he goes to notre dame law school and they had a uh we've got the gipper you've got the tripper snapchat filter or something about grace and allen i think i, I messed that up but it was Something along those lines, Gipper, Tripper. So that was pretty good, but a good win for Duke, and they needed it by 10 against Notre Dame, a ranked team. Yeah, and that was that was another tough game. Uh, Notre Dame is struggling a little bit recently. I mean, they just I think that's their that was their third loss in a row at that point in time. But and also the second game I picked Monday was uh, that was a great pick Monday because Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. I know those teams aren't. I mean, Oklahoma State's on the rise a little bit as well, but Oklahoma, of course, having a down year after coming off a Final Four appearance, nobody healed. That was that came down to a Phil Forte, the 25-year senior, knocking down a huge <laughs> shot. To get, that was their first win at Norman since, since 2004, so definitely an exciting big Monday. But I think Duke beating Notre Dame. Duke, the no-Duke basketball gear, I think, I think is working because they've looked much, much better since then. And now Coach K coming back this weekend. And that, that Pitt competed at North Carolina, so that game may be closer than a lot of us think. We'll talk about that one in our uh, next segment where we look ahead to the matchups, but to still round out this week. It was a great week. You talk about those great big Monday games. Now, Dan, on the other hand, Tuesday was also really good. Kentucky needed overtime to beat Georgia in Brent Musburger's last uh, time on the call, and a couple other games we'll talk about here. Kansas defended their home court against Baylor, but Kentucky really held on behind their freshman guards against Georgia, who put up a test as James is in the studio right now with his Georgia hat on. So I th- More of a fo- fo- Georgia football guy, but their they're basketball team, Yante Yant- Maten. He's, he's a quality big. Georgia's going to be on the cusp of making the NCAA tournament, I, I think. I think these two uh, games, Kentucky, uh, their last two games, Georgia and Kansas, were both uh, a testament of this Kentucky team. Uh, we've seen them struggle in the past. This was pretty much their biggest struggle so far. 
Georgia, once they went to overtime, I think all people watching that game pretty much had Kentucky as a lock for that. Uh, that you know, that's a death wish going to overtime with Kentucky. Um, Kansas again, Kansas with a big win, statement win over Kentucky. It's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. Yeah, so Kansas beat Kentucky last Saturday, and then on Tuesday they followed that up. James alluded to it earlier in this show. They they defended their home court against number two Baylor, who I also agree with James is a little bit overrated, seventy three sixty eight. And I saw a crazy tweet about that. Scott Drew has now lost ten games at Allen Fieldhouse, and Bill Self's only lost nine. Oh my God. There in his career, so that's incredible. But Kansas off the court issues have been a major problem. Carlton Bragg was suspended last week. I said that on the show, and then this week. Josh Jackson's involved in some type of investigation, their freshman stud, so they've got a lot going on. Another game I wanted to look at from from uh, the previous Tuesday, number 23 Purdue at the time bounced back from a loss to Nebraska and beat number 25 Northwestern, who was back in the top 25 for the first time in a couple years, probably since the John Scherner days, I guess, which is not too long ago, but before that, obviously with no NCAA tournament appearances ever in their history, it was special for them to be ranked number 25, and it was kind of spoiled by Caleb Swanigan, 24 and 16 in that one. Yeah, I thought I thought Northwestern would be a little more scrappy in that game, but I mean, good for them, honestly. Northwestern, and all things aside, barring a, a collapse, pretty much in the second half of the season, they're going to make that first NCAA tournament. So I think that all signs are pointing towards that. The Big Ten is not as strong as it's been in years past. I think so. I think the doors open for a team like Northwestern to get in relatively easily. But Purdue's just one of those teams where at home you're going to have to play your best game, or else you're not going to win. I was surprised that Purdue lost at Nebraska. Yeah, I thought that was if they win that game, we're talking about Purdue being really high. And they, they've right got now. a big game coming up. I know you want to talk about yeah, this weekend. That, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, but I think Purdue taking care of business at home against Northwestern handily shows I think a little bit more about Purdue than it does Northwestern. I think Northwestern's going to be going to be around come, come March. And the last game from Tuesday, and actually from that week in the uh, the past week as a whole that I want to talk about is the Syracuse North Carolina State game. A wild finish in that one to regulation it did go into overtime and Syracuse won by seven but I saw the score I think I saw Dan's tweet said if you're not watching the Syracuse North Carolina State game tune in so I was on the Ram van coming back to campus and I said I'll pull it up on on my phone and I I pull it up and I see back-to-back threes to send it into overtime one from Maverick Rowan for NC State to go up by three and then one from John Gillen from Syracuse who had 43 in the game on nine of ten from beyond the arc to send it into overtime, and then they went on to take care of business. But what a game. Both teams, big threes in the final seconds. Yeah, Maverick Rowan, he, he's a player. I mean, I can't get a read on NC State because they have a game like they win at Duke, and then they also lose by 50 at North Carolina. And then against Syracuse at home, that's just that was just a good basketball game. I mean, those are two teams that I think both will be hovering around the bubble when it comes to tournament time. I think Syracuse is on their way up. NC State, I guess, on their way down. That win at Duke is huge for their resume, especially because Duke's starting to play better. But, yeah, Maverick Rowan shooting the ball well. They they have a lot of offensive firepower in NC State. But, well, I mean, I think that was just a toss-up. I mean, Syracuse just kind of willed their way to do it, and I think that's kind of the, the bugaboo for North Carolina State is that they have a team at home, close game. Those are ones that if you're a bubble team, you have to beat those teams at home. Yeah, what a stat line for John Gillen. 43 points, as I said, on 9 of 10 from 3 and 14 of 14 at the free throw line. So you're not going to have a much better night than he had. And some guys are going to look re- to replicate that type of success, probably to no avail this weekend. A lot of good matchups. A lot of matchups between ranked teams, but we're going to start with one. 
that I kind of hinted at, Purdue at Maryland. I know, James, you want to talk about this one because you've been waiting for Maryland to lose, and they just really haven't. I'm not a big Maryland guy. I don't have a lot of confidence in them, uh, at least at this point in the season. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I found Maryland to be one of the most overrated teams in the country last year when they had all that talent, and now I think they've quickly become one of the most underrated teams. Yeah, they're certainly the under country. the radar. Everyone's kind of just like, oh, when they get to the tournament, they do have Mello Trimble back. We'll see what they can do, but no one's really too high on them at all. Yeah, and, and the problem I think with Maryland was they 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 beat a, couple, a lot of like not very good non-conference teams by not that many points at home. I think that's kind of what worries them. They never really blow anyone out at home in the non-conference schedule. It was the same thing last year. So I think when it happened again this year, everyone was like, oh, it's the same old Maryland team. They'll struggle with, and they won't be able to win on the road. And they went at Minnesota on Saturday, which talked about a really do, tough place Do they to have an answer for Caleb Swanigan down low in this one on Saturday, though? I think that they're, they're at home. So I think Maryland definitely has a shot in this one. I have no idea where this game is going to go. I wish I could deliver a pick. I think... I've been going against Maryland pretty much. I thought they're going to maybe lose at Ohio State and have like a clunker at Ohio State. It didn't happen. They they played well. They they bounced back. They battled back. They were down early in that game. So I think I'm I'm I think I'm going to have to go with Purdue. But I think Maryland definitely has has a shot. I mean, I think I'm waiting for them to have a bad performance and it's really not coming. That's just one of the matchups this this uh this Saturday to be specific between two ranked teams. Another one between the highest set of ranked teams is going to be number five, Arizona, at number 13, Oregon. And, Dan, I know you have a, a connection to Arizona a little bit, and you also have a connection to Oregon because you have them in our starting five segment. So what do you expect out of that one on Saturday? Uh, that's going to be a good game. Uh, I got Oregon in our starting five segment. But you got also, any shout-outs to give right now? Yeah, I was getting there. Uh, Shout-out Tyler Trello, uh, Arizona point guard. Um, representing the Berkshire League. Huge piece on their team, really really the uh, the cornerstone of their program. So you're saying Arizona's going to get a road win at Oregon behind a shot from him? Uh, you know, I think he might influence the shot from the bench, maybe like tell cheer up his teammates, but I would not count on him hitting a game-winning shot. That's going to be a great game, though. I could see it coming down to a buzzer beater. Ultimately, I think Arizona wins. Uh, they're dangerous this year. And it's also important to mention they only have, I think, seven or eight scholarship players. That, wow. to me, is unbelievable, and that often goes overlooked. Arizona, five in the country with seven or eight, I'm not sure which one, scholarship players, fact check that. Um, that's very impressive. Also, shout out North Dakota Fighting Hawks. They're not ranked. We're talking about ranked teams, but Quentin, Quentin Hooker, Hooker, follow him on Twitter. Big fan of the uh, podcast. Big fan of the student <laughs> section podcast. But James, what were you about to say? I was just about to say the Oregon's barely squeaked one out last night against Arizona State. That would have been a bad, bad loss going into the Arizona game. So I'm, I'm, I'm after, definitely yeah, after, leaning Arizona. After a, a bad start to the year for Oregon in all the pre, in uh, the early season tournaments where you're playing really good ranked teams from other conferences, they they sort of picked it up and won a bunch in a row. And now they're starting to kind of hover back towards close games and potential losses. But looking at other games on Saturday. Tomorrow, number 20, Notre Dame at number 12, North Carolina. I think North Carolina's just got a little bit too much down low on the glass. Kennedy Meeks, Isaiah Hicks, they just pound over 40 rebounds per game. They just really pound the glass, and I think their height's going to be a little bit too much. And number 8, Kentucky at number 24, Florida. Is this Florida team for real? They had a huge win yesterday, and I, I haven't really seen much of them, but I, I, I don't know how much you guys have seen, but... They're, they're in the top 25, and I'm not confident about them, but they have a great chance for a, a win at home against Kentucky. Not a great chance on paper, but they have a great opportunity ahead of them. I'm not too high on Florida. I've watched them a couple times this year. They 
I saw him play against Alabama. It was like one of those late night ES, ESPNU games. And I'm just not that sold on them. I think I think the SEC is a conference where they're going to, I think, succeed. They're, I mean, they're, the Kentucky's, I think they can challenge Kentucky because Kentucky showed at Tennessee that they're not the best team on the road. That's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, they also lost at home at Rupp Arena. I think Florida is in a tough spot because you're getting Kentucky coming off of two losses. You know they're due for a bounce-back game. I think you'd rather face – that's why I think Tennessee got them because Kentucky was feeling so good about themselves going into that game. They're a freshman-heavy team going into a tough environment, so that favors Florida a little bit. But I'm not that high in Florida. I'm th- they lost at home to Vanderbilt, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they lost to Vanderbilt at home. They struggled with Georgia. They maybe lost to them too or got the, down to, at least down to the wire – with Georgia, so I'm not that high. They beat high. Georgia by four points. But they lost to Vanderbilt. At they home, lost right? to Vanderbilt. They lost. Yeah, I apologize South for Carolina. listeners. I have major laptop issues. I can't <laughs> look these up as quickly as I want. But I remember Vanderbilt beat them. Vanderbilt also beat Texas A&M too. Vanderbilt under the radar team, maybe making a late push. But as far as that game's concerned, I think Kentucky wins that game. Florida, I think they keep it close. Then they they've impressed me in that regard. I agree with everything James said. Uh, Kentucky, I think this is going to be a wash, double digit win. The only thing that really sticks out to me is Canyon Barry's free throws, the uh, underhand free throws. Incredible. And then shifting from the SEC out west, a big-time matchup between some top NBA prospects tomorrow night. Number 11 UCLA at the Huskies of Washington. Lonzo Ball against Markel Fultz, two of the best uh, prospects at the guard position. This is the first time that these freshmen will be meeting this season, first of two conference matchups. I'm really excited to see what these guys can do. UCLA started the season great. Kind of faded a little bit, but Lonzo Ball, he's had games where he's had a bunch of turnovers, but he can he can make those nifty passes. He pretty good shooter, good percentage from beyond the arc, despite NBA scouts' concerns about his shooting form. Does Markel Fultz, who's averaging, I think, 25, 6, and 6, does he step up to the plate and get a huge home win against UCLA? Yeah, I haven't watched that much of Washington, but I did watch them against USC the other night, and that was really the first like almost full game experience I had of Markel Fultz. He is legit. He is very, very good. Don't be fooled by how bad Washington is right now. He is a legit. That's player. what I was saying the other day. I was saying if I was like a top, a top uh, tier, top five star recruit, going to a school like Washington, you might not be ranked in the top twenty five, or but you can really stand out. And like when someone flicks your game on, you're running the show all the time instead of going to Duke where. You're one of five top Supported ten. Cast. Yeah, when you're one of one of five top ten overall recruits from your class. Yeah, I agree. I think the only problem with that is he's in Washington, so everyone's asleep by the time like you're watching him play. <laughs> that might be better because it hides some of his mistakes, and then you got to Google him and you see just highlights of that's him. That's true. That actually that, that's Spin true zone. also. Spin zone. But I also yeah they they competed with USC. I think it's, it was turning the corner a little bit there. A quality team. And USC just beat UCLA last week. Yeah, so. and, and at home, too. So UCLA, also another team that's prone to struggling on the road, a freshman guard. I feel like Lonzo Ball's turnover games, a lot of them are on the road. And so. they also rely a lot on freshman TJ Leaf, who had a huge game. I think he had 32-14 and 14 over Washington State this past week. He's another guy that has some pro potential, but in college, he's a really dominant-type freshman down low. And just a couple more games before we wrap up our preview of the weekend and get into our, our bracketology a little bit. A couple more games I wanted to look at. Number nine, Virginia at Syracuse. James, I know you, you're not. I don't know if you're quite sold on Syracuse pulling another home upset, but against Virginia's great defense, not an easy opportunity, but there is one there for the Orangemen. Yeah, I the think <laughs> I think they have uh, another decent shot of pulling off an upset. I think the thing of Virginia is I 
I'm guilty of not getting Virginia enough credit when they I watched that full game against Villanova. They can really defend. I mean, Villanova just grinded out that win. It was never easy. If it's a low-scoring, ugly game, it favors Virginia. I mean, with it, I remember they blow out. Blew Except out. for when they just lost to Villanova 61-59 on a tipping. Yeah, I mean that was <laughs> that was Virginia's game for most of the game. I felt like Villanova yeah. that they didn't lead for many, much of that game at all. I could even did even lead until like the last few minutes of that game. I don't even remember, but. I know Virginia had leads as big as, like, 11 in that game. So, I mean, they really had them on the ropes at Villanova. I mean, I think it's harder play, harder to play at the Pavilion than it is to play at the Wells Fargo Center. But, uh, nevertheless, Virginia, I think, is going to be a much tougher upset at home for Syracuse. I wouldn't go as far as that's concerned to keep my upset streak going. But Do you have a couple upsets you want to mention? I have a couple of, I guess, lower-tier upsets. I think St. Bonaventure will beat VCU on Saturday. It's an A-10 Shout out there. I think that could be an upset since Shout it's out at St. Bonaventure. There's not, not that as much a call my name as last time. Georgia Tech isn't playing a quality opponent at home, <laughs> which is always the, the go-to upset pick. I do think Notre Dame has a good shot to beat North Carolina at North Carolina. I was just saying I have North Carolina easy in that one. I, I do. I think Notre Dame may pull it off because Pitt just complete, competed with North Carolina on the road. That's, that was not the strongest showing defensively. By North Carolina, Pitt's a team that put up 50 points at home against Louisville, and they put up about 80 against North Carolina on the road. So I do agree that down low, I think those are the matchups are exploited. But I think a big game for Steve Astoria is coming. I think he's shooting too poorly right now. I think that's eventually going to even out. So I do think they have a shot. That also, I, that also could be bad. You're right. I think it could be North Carolina easily, but I think I have too much faith in Mike Breda that they'll have at least a quality showing, and that will be a good game to watch. Certainly coming off some some tough performances. They did lose to Duke on on Monday, and they've been struggling a little bit. I think Mike Bray, great coach at getting his team motivated. That that could be a good one to watch. Georgia also plays at number 19, South Carolina, on Saturday. I'm not really sure what to make of this South Carolina team. I don't think anybody's really talking about them, and I haven't heard much. But on Sunday, two more ranked teams in action, not a whole lot going on. Number 15, Florida State hosts Clemson. I think there's a chance there for Clemson to do some damage even though it's a road game. And then number 10, Wisconsin hosts Indiana, and Indiana's coming off a three-overtime win against Penn State this past week. That was an incredible game too. Yeah, I actually watched the, the, the end of that game and all the overtimes. That would have been almost a nail in the coffin of Tom Crean if they lost that game to Penn State. I mean, Penn State, they have talent, but they're just a couple, They're a little bit away from being a contender, a legit contender in the Big Ten. But that was at home. That, that would have been a bad, bad loss for Tom Crean in Indiana. But – one thing about them, they do have the talent. I mean, I know they have some injuries right now, but they do have the talent to think compete. And Wisconsin's struggles to blow teams out. I mean, they won handily against Illinois this past week, but I saw the Rutgers game. They're an Ethan Happ layup away from losing that game. I heard Ethan Happ just absolutely dominated the uh, last few minutes and the overtime of that game. Oh, yeah, he was the main, the total source of off. I don't think I've ever seen a college basketball game. Because Wisconsin didn't shoot it that well in that game. 6% from three late, wow. late in the game. <laughs> and then they had a couple. Bronson Canning always seems to hit the big shot late in games, but they were shooting terribly. Like one of the worst shooting performances I've ever seen, but it was just Hap down low. Hap, Hap's a Nate Smith Player of the Year candidate, and number one, he can't shoot the ball out of the paint. He's taken one shot outside of the paint all season long, and he's a mediocre foul throw, free throw shooter, which is it's shocking, but he's just so good. His footwork in the paint is, I think, probably the best in the country. Well, you're going to like what I have to say about Wisconsin as we head into our final segment of today's episode. Bracketology, Joe Lenardi's bracket. We take a look at it. So if you're listening right now and you're still with us, pull up Joe Lenardi's bracket on ESPN. Go through the regions and pick the teams you think are going to advance to the Final Four. We've done that. We're taking a look at the brackets right now. And 
I've got Wisconsin. We'll start with the Midwest as a four seed in his Thursday bracketology, getting through that region. And I, I know that's going to make you very happy, James. I agree. I had them last week, and I still think that I think the biggest issue of this bracket would be Louisville, not Kansas for Wisconsin. I think Louisville is just a little bit too athletic for them. I think they would Wisconsin can maybe get get their type of pace against Kansas more than they can against Villanova. Wisconsin likes to slow it down a little bit and really be methodical in their offensive sets. And Oregon's in there, too. I mean, I, I liked Oregon last week. I had them going to the Final Four out of their region, but now they're in with, with Louisville, Kansas, and Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin, that just... Not too tough of a top half of the bracket for them with Kansas's uh, troubles away from the, the floor right now. Yeah, looking at this uh, Lenardi bracket, I would even have maybe St. Mary's getting past Oregon. I'm, I, I want to wait and see how St. Mary's All you got to do against... is shut down Landale, and then you're in business against St. Mary's. I want to see how they do against Gonzaga. That game's coming up. They lost up. by 20. No, no, no at year. home against Gonzaga, I should say. Yeah, but NCAA tournament, home court, I mean, throw it out the window. Yeah, so. but anything can happen in the tournament. That's but true. No matter what, if they beat Gonzaga or... At home, that that's going to be Gonzaga's only loss because they Gonzaga knocked off BYU with a pretty good effort by BYU at home. I mean, the crowd was ready for like a week for that game, and it was still a good showing. But uh, yeah, I think I have. There's definitely bias showing, but I have Wisconsin coming out of the Midwest. I think just on first glance, the Midwest appears to be the strongest of the four. Uh, really, I was going to say that was the the most open. That's why I have really? a four seed Wisconsin coming out. I think Kansas, uh, St. Mary's, even Oregon. Uh, Louisville and then and Florida's Wisconsin. a five in there. Yeah, I, I don't. You agree see, with I that. I'd pick that upset. The twelve five always happened. Yeah. I probably pick Nevada over Florida just off first glance. Yeah, to be but honest. then you have teams like Virginia Tech and Indiana that have and Northwestern I'm in there. Low as a seven. Seven. I'm very low on Virginia. Tech. Yeah, me too. But at the same time, look at their schedule. They've knocked off you know pretty decent teams this season. All all three of those teams. All right, let's head across the bracket to the east Villanova the number one seed I've got them coming out of here same as last week I've got them meeting the two seed in that region North Carolina in the Elite Eight and I've got Villanova going to the final four for the second straight year with a chance to re- repeat as national champions I think out of that bracket I'm, t- I'm torn between not Villanova actually but West Virginia or North Carolina I think I'm very high on West Virginia this year that's I lo- true love the way they played against Kansas at home now I think after that game, everyone was a little low on Kansas, not necessarily high on Virginia. Now Kansas goes and beats Kentucky, and they beat Baylor, and all of a sudden, wait, West Virginia beat them too. Mm. West Virginia has a slight test this Saturday. Oklahoma State has started off horribly in the Big 12. have won their last four. I'm curious to see how they do with them. They have to avoid another Oklahoma-like slip-up where they lose at home to a team like that. But I think, as of right now, I'm going to go with West Virginia. With a, I have a four and a three <laughs> making the final four. I'm but. right there with you, James. I agree with both your picks so far. West Virginia, I think, is uh, kind of a dark horse, often overlooked. I know they're a a three-seed in this bracket, but I don't think people are giving them the credit they deserve. So halfway through right now, I've got Villanova and Wisconsin. You both have Wisconsin and West Virginia going through. So let's get to the bottom regions. Just a couple of minutes left to go through these. In the West, Gonzaga, the number one seed, according to Joe Lenardi in there. And I, I changed it this week. I had Gonzaga, even though Arizona was the number two seed a week ago, in the bracketology in that same West region. I've got Arizona now coming out of there. I think I'm just a little bit shaky about Gonzaga reaching the Final Four. I think Arizona, Sean Miller gets there for the first time at Arizona. I'm, I'm torn on this one, too, because now all of a sudden you have to consider Duke again. 
I mean, yeah, Duke's I, had a good week. I so thought now about that Duke's too. Because very tempting right now. A second round matchup against Maryland, not too concerning for me. I, I might even pick Maryland to go out in the first round and then to play the weakest number one seed, maybe besides Baylor. I, Gonzaga's a, the strongest they've been possibly ever under Mark Few, but still, I think if Duke picks up steam, wins two games before they play Gonzaga, that could be a dangerous Sweet 16 matchup for the Zags. Yeah, and I think a matchup also in that bracket, potential matchup, Virginia-Arizona could be a really, really good game. I think Virginia's... You don't have your Butler boys getting through Virginia? I think if in this bracket right now, I'd have Butler losing to Middle Tennessee, honestly. <laughs> oh, Middle Tennessee's yeah. one of my uh, starting five Butler's, squads. Butler does. I watched them more than more than anyone. They're, they don't look too good right now. I think this, there's something lacking, especially defensively, so I'm not too high in Butler. So do you have Arizona coming out of there right now still, like last week? I'm going to... St- I'm gonna go Virginia. I was very impressed with Virginia this week. Even you gotta lost stop to, taking my picks. <laughs> you guys got the same three so far. I think it, it's it's it. To I me, picked it, one one seed. Yeah. To me, it's between uh, Virginia and Gonzaga. I just think those are the two strongest teams. Arizona, as much as I would like to see them in the Final Four, I just think they're a little bit questionable come tournament time. Whereas Gonzaga, I think this is Mark Few's seventeenth straight year in the tournament, which is just unbelievable considering they're you know it's Gonzaga. It's not a big name program like Kentucky or Duke. So I think we could see a big run from Gonzaga this year. You know what? I'll, I'll take Gonzaga. I'll change my pick. All right. All right. Let's finish up with the South region. Talk about that big name program of Kentucky as the two seed in this one. Baylor, the one seed. I think this region right now as it sits is Kentucky's to lose. I don't see too much trouble with them as Creighton as a five seed without their point guard. The three seeds, Florida State, who's had some shaky losses recently. Baylor is probably the weakest one seed in this bracketology. I think Kentucky could roll through this region, even though Purdue as a six seed could be dangerous with Caleb Swan. Yeah, I thought to say, I think Lenardi may have got something wrong here with Purdue as a six seed. I think they're gonna. I think there's no doubt in my mind. Todd, you can quote me on that. And maybe I'm wrong, and I'll get made fun of in March. But I think they're gonna be way higher than a six. I see them as like a four, a five, yeah, yeah, four, yeah. maybe even. I love them last March, and they they kind of disappointed me yeah. by going out in the first round, getting upset on on a uh, buzzer beater. I think in regulation, and then they might have went into overtime. I forget, but they lost early. Last yeah, year. but I'm a, uh, I'm high on. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm high on Kentucky getting into the getting out of this region. I'm not too. Sure about Baylor. I mean, I think they're overrated. Maybe they'll prove me wrong the rest of the year, but I'd have Kentucky coming out of this bracket with maybe a scare from Oklahoma State in the second round, but I'd have Kentucky getting out of it. I'm with Kentucky or uh, where? Wait, what was my second team? Oh, UCLA. The question with UCLA is their defense, huge hole in their team, uh, obviously one of the best offensive teams in the country. But another matchup, if this happens, obviously this probably won't happen, Theoretically, Baylor could meet Michigan State in the second round. In that game, I like Michigan State by a landslide. Baylor's overrated, in my opinion, as we all seem to think. And Michigan State and Tom Izzo really show up when it comes tournament time, with the exception of last year. I think that was an anomaly. So, All right, you heard it here first. Those are our final four picks for this week. Check back next week. We'll put one out again next Friday. Tom Scabelli will be back with us, but that's going to do it for episode number two of the student section for my co-hosts James Decker and Dan DiOrio, who did double duty today as a host and producer of this one. I'm Matt Murphy. Be a fan of the student section.